Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I also had a rumor that apparently to keep your hands warm, maybe you told me this, to keep your hands warm, you would... You would also shit in something and then wrap it up and that would work. No, I never it? told you that. Yes, <laughs> you did. Foxy, wait, let me remember. It was definitely you. You said you used to shit in something and nah. you used to keep your hands warm. Nah. Like a hand warmer. Is that's, that what people used nah, to do? No, I didn't do that. That's, that's bollocks. <laughs> Is that really yeah, just bollocks? Nah. If you want to keep your hands warm, you put your fucking gloves on. <laughs> <laughs> shit. So when I was skiing once, I just shattered my glove because I thought it would keep them warm. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome back to part two of Private Parts. Still with Jason Fox, everybody. Um, dude, listen, I want to get back into that that uh, thing. I think this is, I think what people, okay, fine. In terms of like military and things like that, I think you'll be open to talk about this, but if you're not, you just, whatever. But um, what everyone focuses on is is the kind of, uh, the excitement, you know, that, that stuff of like what's going on and things like that. And, you know, but there's also, there is a massive downside to a lot of things that a lot of people experience and i think you've been open about this about kind of the sort of mental struggles and things like that that happen afterwards yeah um and the most amazing thing is that you've you've just launched your book yeah uh, battle scars which is killing it at the moment which is doing super well right yeah, yeah it's done all right yeah um and did you did you want to write that book because you want to just talk about everything that mm. I didn't want to write. I didn't want to write a book. Actually, did you not? No, it was a mate of mine who is a writer said you should write a book, and I was like, no, nah, I don't want to. And then he said, oh, well, you know, why don't you just play around with it? I said, well, if I'm going to write a book, I want it to be more about the mental health side of things because yeah. it's something, you know, it's big for me. You know, it affected me at a certain point. Fucking so, you know, keep burping, right? Anyway, <laughs> so I we we he said, well, why don't we just play around with it? So we did it. You know that was two years ago, and then it's just it's come out. But it took a it took a while to tweak it because I didn't want it to be like another fucking war story. Yeah, yeah, you know for what sure. I, mean? I wanted it to be a bit more. I wanted it to be deep, really. So it was about yeah. There's a there's we talk about a war in it 
because I need to set the scene and get people to understand what it was like. I talk about what it's like to live with the lads. I talk about, you know, the camaraderie, the banter, all that sort of stuff. And then I just talk about, you know, the effect that it had on me, you know, the negative effect it had on me yeah. for a certain, certain part of my life. And it was a case of, you know, it's just, it's not so much, yeah, the war fighting is obviously a catalyst, but it's also everything else. You know, normal life is actually fucking stressful. Yeah, it really is. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah, completely, man. Marriage, divorce, kids, Everything. cars, washing machines, they break down. Yeah. Pisses me off. Fucking annoying. No, yeah. I, mate, dude, I, can, I completely get it. Because I, that that's interesting because most people would think that like, okay, you know, from an outside, I would think, I would say, okay, the reason why people experience sort of the mental struggles of war and things like that is because of the actual war, right? Mm. So you, you're seeing death you know, around you, people that are close to you are dying, things, like that, and that's what would would really hit me. But uh, but it's not that wasn't so much for you, was it? No, nah, it's not. I mean, yes, it's stressful, and it obviously got to a point, and there is there is points where I was at. You know, I don't really don't know whether this is a good thing. I don't want to die. You know. Did you think that at one point before? Was yeah, that, did toward, that get towards, to a point? Towards the end of my career, there was times when I, we would go. You know, you're going into situations, and I'm like that. Fucking hell, I, you know, I can remember before I never used to think like that because I was younger and, you know. Because, you know, it's just like yeah, you're like yeah, falling out yeah, a tree, you'll just yeah, go, oh, whatever. Yeah. You start to get vertigo get and bit, things like that. Yeah, you get a bit older and you're like, ah, fuck, you know, like, you, know you realise how frail we all are and you're like, I could I could die here. So I did start to, I, obviously that did creep in. But but the thing with, like, the, the you know, war fighting, the thing with a lot of the lads and with me, and I suppose there's a lot of people out there that I haven't met as well, but... You sort of, I, I almost craved it, and I wanted to go away again. I kept wanting to go away, and I think part of it is because life's more simple out away in those places, because you don't have to worry about what's going. You could, you literally switch off from all the noise back here, and you're out there, and it's actually quite cut and dry. You know, yeah, there's some people trying to kill you, and vice versa, but that's a bit, that's it. That's all you have to worry about. Mm. You don't have to worry about the tax man. He keeps cropping up. Yeah, you know all that sort of stuff, and you don't have to worry about, um, you know, family and friends, and and no. and and looking after your home life, but also socialising because everything's just there. Mm. You're, you're just you're just there the whole time. Do you know it's so interesting, dude? And this is this is what I I experienced, right? And and I've and actually weirdly on the podcast we've been speaking about sort of mental health and things like that a bit more recently, and the sort of struggles I went through, massive period of like anxiety and all that kind of mm. stuff, and mine was I think down to going on a ridiculous television show and, and partying too much and things like that. But also I was at I went to a boarding school from the age of eight years old. Mm-hmm. So I went from eight years old, I went to a boarding school where it was all boys and we lived together for, you know, ten years or whatever it was. And when I came out when I was eighteen years old and I came out of that, I then went straight to university and I was in a sort of I was in a belonging place again there. And mm-hmm. then when I came out of university, I then went into London life and things like that. And I felt like I didn't belong. I was mm-hmm. like, hang on a second. Where is everyone that was always around me the entire time? And you have yeah. to do this and that. And I had to, and that's what my struggle came from was not feeling like I belonged somewhere. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what you kind of had as well, where you felt like you didn't belong? Yeah. So I basically, I left because of, you know, I was diagnosed with PTSD uh-huh. So they were like, right, okay, which is post post traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. But so it what what you know basically they're like, right, you've done so much of that for you. This is like the best thing. The best thing for you now is to leave the military. Now I didn't want to. I was like, no, no, no. I, I love this job. I just need to get back on track. I need to get my military mojo back. But it it didn't really work out like that. So I did leave. But that's actually that was the beginning of the hardship, to be honest. Yeah. 
because I then suddenly left the military. So from the from sixteen to thirty six, I'd been in the military, and then I wasn't. You know, literally. Suddenly, the next day, boom! That's yeah, it. Sixth of April, two thousand and twelve. I was no longer in anything, and I'm like, ah, who the fuck am I? Yeah, so like, you lose I, your identity, yeah, yeah. don't you? I lost my identity, and I lost a sense of belonging. But then when I talk about it now, I'm like, oh, that's a bit ridiculous because and you are your identity. Sure. And you belong to yourself. But but you don't realise that at the time because we were told that you have to be, you know, parts of things. And But but, but, what, so, but when they diagnose with PTSD, uh, is that right, PTSD? Yeah. What, so what, what was, what you, were you feeling a bit depressed? Were you feeling, like, anxious? Were you feeling, like, a bit worried? What, what, no, what was I just it? wasn't, I wasn't, I had another, an, I had another operational tour coming up and it, yeah. was, it was looming in the distance and we were getting ready to go. You know, you do all your different bits of training you need to do, tick the boxes to go and deploy on operations. And I just remember it being this dark cloud looming in the distance and I wasn't excited for it. And I was like, fucking hell, that's not right. I'm normally, I'm normally up for this. It's like going to a match, right? It's like, it's yeah. like a football game ahead. And I was like, oh, what's, what's, why do I feel like this? So I figured and in the end, I was like, right, maybe I need to go and chat to someone so I can, you know, be reinvigorated. And it just didn't really work out like that. The more they kept talking to me about stuff, they were like, look, I think, you know, you're obviously feeling like that because you've seen and done too much and, you know, whatever it may be. And I was like, no, 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 I want to... And, and in the end, I, I, I couldn't quite shake that feeling. So I, And I was getting more and more frustrated mm. with the fact that I still felt... And I was like, what the fuck? So in the end, I was just like... They kept saying, look, you, we're going to put you on a... They call it a medical board, which is... They do, they put you on a med board, so you're sat in a, on nice big table with loads of professors and doctors and shit in the military and they sort of like okay analyze you well they're just like well, okay they look for your notes and they're like right okay we're gonna put you forward to leave so then i, I did that and i was like okay well obviously they're telling me that that's, so the, it's that's out of your control so you're feeling like things out of your control yeah pretty much pretty much i sort of there's an element of control but in the in the grand scheme of things they're there saying look to fix you you need to you need to leave what they said to me the one thing that will fix you is you leave the military and i was like okay well yeah, that's surely that. going to ruin you from the beginning because you're like, well, what? And I yeah, but that's that's what happened. So I was, I, you know, they, I sort of removed the dark cloud had gone, but then I got, then I became depressed because yeah. I was. That's because the identity thing had crept in. You know, now what am I? And I was, I was, you know, I've the way I saw it at the time, which is wrong, but it was the way I saw it was I was like, well, I've failed at that. I enjoyed it, but I failed at that. Relationships were going down the pan. I was getting fucking everything wrong, and I was just like. What the you know? I'm shit at everything. I'm like, you know, yeah. and that's why I was depressed. But it, but I suppose what's tricky and what a lot of people find hard to do, and I think this is, you know, you came from your military background where it's all about being being hard, and you know, and you're surviving and things like that. So, and I think you know, for for me, when I had anxiety and feeling down and things like that, it was actually the accepting process where something was like, actually, okay, fine, I accept the fact that I'm now feeling yeah. this way. Did you have that when we were like, yeah? Because you did you refuse to think that you would press like because because mm. we, we we were growing up right, we were told you just get on with it. Yeah. Do you know? Oh, you feel a bit sad. Get on with it. Go go to work or whatever. Just go get on with it. The, yeah, exactly. The key to the, the the key to all of it is being honest with yourself. Yeah, but that's the hardest. That's part. the hardest part. Yeah, but the problem is, the other, if you think about it, when you're not honest with yourself, you know you're fucking lying, really, mm. and that means you're going to piss yourself off because you know you, you, you. So really, you've got to have that proper grown-up conversation with yourself, where you're like, ah, right, I don't feel good. And it's probably this. So now I need to be honest about that, and then then you can fix it. Because if you, if you're lying, you're not you're not admitting it to yourself. So you're mm. not you're never really going to address it. So it's about it's about acknowledging what's going on. 
it's also it's also really interesting how you said that you know towards the end of your career that the fear of death is the thing that got you you then became worried about it where normally you would say at the beginning that's what happens to most people where you go into it thinking god i don't actually want to do this and then you kind of get used to it but mm. the sort of reverse happened I your ju- way i just went through a period in my life where i was overthinking things really yeah i've gone back to being a kid again really and just be more juvenile in my mindset so don't think about too much Whereas towards the end, you were just thinking, but that's, yeah, probably, think, that's probably the other cloud in this, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But also, but also, man, you always have to remember that, like... You, you know, you were having as you, your 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 buddies, you know, are dying around you a lot of the time, which cannot be a a good thing or any kind. No, of, there's no way any any human being can handle that that well. No, I don't think it's no. It's quite hard. <laughs> yeah, it's super. Hard. But then the thing is, right? You come out of the army and all that kind of stuff, and then you get offered a TV show. Right, you get offered. <laughs> sort of, yeah. So how did so how did it come about? How did SAS Who Dare Wins comes came about? Right, so uh, it's, a, it's a long, 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 long story. But essentially, I left the military, floundered around, didn't really know what I was doing. Got a job as a projects manager, hated it, wasn't any good at it. Well, I just didn't like it. And then I kit, I canned that job because it wasn't doing me any favors with regard to my own mental well being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went into security, did a bit of security work, but that shy. What is security? Is it as te- in bodyguarding? Is it stuff is like it that. just terrible? Yeah, it's not. Some people really like it. I just didn't. It wasn't for me. And I was also work was drying up as well. There was a lot of contract. You, you get promised a lot of work, and then it doesn't materialise okay. or it's cancelled, and you you like. Yeah. So then a friend of mine, Aldo, did a lot of stuff with TV crews, taking them to. He, he would look after them in hostile environments, yeah. you know, whether it was the jungle or, you know, whatever. Yeah. He said, mate, I've got this, I've got a job coming up. Uh, can you cover for me? And I was like, yeah. So basically I flew out to Madagascar and I was basically the underwater cameraman's dive buddy. 
it's all he, he was held his like tail I, I was just like checking his hair and yeah great and he's filming <laughs> stuff she was just giving thumbs up every now and then yeah that was it and I'm just like sitting in the water you know we, lived, we stayed in a five star resort on a desert island oh so it was sweet oh, it was awesome got pissed every night oh awesome. my god so it was the but best then we, we, they were filming like these old underwater archaeologists looking for pirate tri- well the pirate they were diving on old pirate shipwrecks looking for antiquities and what have you and anyway out there for, I think it was in the fourth week we were out there. I can't remember exactly how long it was, but we ended up um, me and the dive, me and the cameraman were so bored watching these old blokes pick up china crockery <laughs> from underwater that we were like, "Fuck this!" And we ended up diving on one of the shipwrecks, and we found a massive lump of silver. And apparently, it was it was said that it was Captain Kidd's lost treasure. So that 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 got my name blanded around a little bit, and then you whilst, found treasure. Yeah, yeah, we found a 55 kilogram lump of silver. What? It's, How much is that worth? Some people dispute that, but it, well, it's priceless. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, did you just like, come across it? Well, we sort of decimated one of the dive sites. We got in the shit a little bit, but... It, but you found this amazing thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what do you, so you found the silver, what did you do with it? I lifted it out of the water. And was like, hey, everyone... And the news, news crews were there, and they, you know, it was on BBC News, and it was on... French news and all sorts of shit. But again, Fox, you're so casual about it. You found fucking treasure, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's like, good, it's yeah. what everyone wants to do. Yeah, yeah. Wait, did you, so you, you so like, then obviously my name was banded around and then whilst that was going on, this, this t- t- idea for a Channel 4 TV show came about and there, you know, long story short, but it was like, well, where did we find these XSF guys? And this bloke was like, oh, there's a bloke in Madagascar, you should phone him up. He's blowing up boats and finding silver. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> and so they then, was it like an interview process or they just bring you across and go like, here we go. I went and met the AP. Uh, assistant producer and had a bit of an interview and I thought I was, it was a consultancy role at first and then you know they were then they were like oh we want to do a bit of a sit you in front of a camera and I'm like okay what's all that about and then they're like right we want you to be on screen as well and I was like oh fucking hell, I don't know about that yeah and sort of had a think about it and then I realised I was skinned so I was like yeah okay yeah we'll do that yeah it's a job <laughs> yeah and, anything um, yeah. but then did the whole thing it's then the show became super it still is super successful, super popular. You're, you know, you're shooting all sorts of things with it. You're doing, you know, I, I think you can say the celebrity versions coming out, all this kind of stuff, which yeah. is just, it, it's amazing that how life does that to you. And then what you've just done recently, which is honestly, and I think you're going to win a BAFTA for this. I, I actually do. I think you're going to win a BAFTA for it for the real narcos. Oh, really? Yeah, I honestly do. I think, mm. I think that. So, well, you can explain to everyone what the real... It's, it's a Channel 4 show, and what happened? Um, but do you want to know the story behind how that came about? Yeah, I do. I got sold the story. They, well, they got sold this idea. They're like, oh, we, we want you to go and... Uh, we're going to call this show Miami Vice, and we want you to live in Miami and hang out with, like, drug dealers and stuff like that. And, then the, and I was like, oh, that sounds fucking cool. I'm, I'm up for that. And then literally... It changed and the fucking rug was whipped from under my feet and then I'm living in Peru, Colombia and Mexico with the fucking most dangerous people on the planet. But dude, but, it, but it, that's but it's amazing like doing was it because when I watched it I, I mean the the great thing about you again I don't I think you don't you're you're an amazing interviewer because I don't think you mean to do it because again it's you not overthinking you're just doing it mm. and so you're you're in the situation just handing it. Was it as real as it? Yeah, it's real. It's really real. Yeah, there was a few times when I did overthink stuff out there because I shit my pants. Really, like when? What happened? Uh, loads, but um, so there's a moment in Mexico where we're we're waiting to meet these guys from the cartel. It's when they turn up all masked up, 
Mm-hmm. And we're in, we, we get taken, driven all over the fucking place at night in Kulakan, which is the heart of Sinaloa, the Sinaloan cartel, or El Chapo's cartel. Who's with you? It's you, a cameraman. And cameraman, director, uh, my mate Aldo, and a fixer. That's it. Yeah, and then we're in, you know, we're in a we're in a dangerous, dangerous place, and we're in this building waiting for them to turn, waiting for the cartel to turn up. We've been told that he's quite high up, yeah. and then we heard some shuffling outside, and the cameraman's like, "Well, you've got to go and fucking open the door," and I'm like, "So," and, and like Aldo, and you are probably supposed, scared, but yeah, yeah, Aldo's supposed to be my protection is cowering behind a fucking works unit in the kitchen. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, open the door. They knock on the door and I open the door and then there's no one there. It's just darkness. And I was like, ah. and I actually went like that. Because you thought you shot. were going to get shot. Yeah. And then they, then they loomed out of the darkness with their fucking masks on. I'm like, hey. Oh my God. And then we conducted a bit of an interview, but the, it was going a bit, it didn't go quite, they brought their own interpreter. We had the fixer yeah. that was going to be doing it, but they're like, no, no, we'll bring our own one. And he was shite. And, you know, he kept getting, he was, he was basically mistranslating what I was asking. And so in the end, the blo- there's a bit of miscommunication and one of the blokes like, right, right, stop. He goes, I've fucking had enough of this. He's like, if you ask any more questions like that, he goes, I'm going to fucking kill you all and bury you in the desert. And I was like, ah, okay, I'm glad we've cleared that up. And then sort of like, just sort of like started to rethink how we were going to word stuff. My so there's all Yeah, it was all real. There was a lot of, all of it was real. A lot of it was fucking dangerous. It was scary. I mean, I know people think, oh, and it's for TV, s- and it wasn't. It was like we we were following real stories, and you know, we 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 were hanging out with a CSI unit in Acapulco, and there's, a, you know, we, we, he was like, all oh, right, there's someone's being murdered. We're going to go straight to the scene now, and there was a bag. You just saw like a torso. I saw, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was a bag next to it, and then this copper walked up to the bag and sort of like emptied it, and obviously everything fell out. I'm like, oh, okay. And then that. Oh my god! Yeah. The thing what I find how does how does your fixer? Wh- what is the advantage of these cartel meeting with you and having a chat? Why do they want to? Is because they like the fame, or they they want to like show that they're the bosses, or what is it? A little bit of everything. It is. So nice. it's, they're, they're, I mean, they're gangsters, isn't they? They like to. Yeah. They got to brag about something. And but so also, wanna... some of them, I think, for some of them, it was like a it was a it was like a therapy session. They got to fucking talk about some shit. And get it off their chests to someone who's who's not from their world. But also they were intrigued about the fact, because we were open and honest about who I was. I'm like, yeah, I'm an ex-Special Forces guy. So they're like, fucking hell, why does he want to come and talk to us? Yeah. So there was an element of intrigue, I suppose. And 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 you and you wanted to go and do it because you just found that super interesting because you thought this would be wicked to go and actually yeah. experience this. Yeah, I like meeting people. But it's but it's it's honestly one of the most real documentaries I've seen for for a while. It's just I I can't believe I don't understand how health and safety can get past that that they can throw you into these places <laughs> and just go. All right, here you go. You need to try and just no, like get through it. There's some fucking long meetings. Is there really? Is yeah, there loads yeah. and loads of long meetings where they yeah. have to make sure that everything's okay? Yeah. Because because that that is what's you know it, there was this there's this one part which is which is kind of was quite kind of like intense. When you 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 guys spoke, you spoke to a cartel leader or someone who had one of the masks on, and you and you they you spoke about you just the killing that goes on in in both your worlds, and that was a really where this guy who's from the cartel just seemed you know he didn't like what he did. No, no, but they don't. A lot of these people don't have the have a choice. They're like forgotten about people. They grow up in pretty corrupt countries, you know, and and actually the cartel where they where these people grow up. 
the car. I, I would suggest that the governments are happy the cartels are there supporting those communities because they it means they can skim a bit more off the top. Really? Well, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know whether that's real. That's my own opinion, but you know, the people you know people that grow up in those places got nothing else to do. You know, they got nothing. They all yeah, they want to do is they, they want to they want to supply for their families. You know, they want to be able to put food on the table. And there's no real legitimate work. They've not been very well educated. And then all of a sudden the cartels come in and be like, they're like, hey, look what you can, you know, you can drive around in fucking flash cars and whatnot. It's dangerous, but look what you can get. Look what you can win. But, but also, I, you know, th- these guys, you know, if you're, if you're sort of a top leader in the cartel or something like that, their, their like, survival rate is... Well, it's not good. It's yeah. not good, <laughs> no, is it? It's literally, no. you, you're going to die pretty soon, right? Yeah. So they're just, they're just living... Well, they're living in fear. They, 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 we, we, Which I is the worst told, way to live, surely? Yeah, but it's the only way to live for them. They don't know anything else. I likened it because I was like, oh, well, I, when I was in the military, I'd go away for six months and it was pretty scary. But I can come home. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know. There was one bloke that kept saying he just like, he's always looking over his shoulder. In fact, there was one guy that I spoke to who had a big scar on his, um, scar on his hand and... He said, I said, you know, how did you get that? And he sort of like was like, well, I was walking down the street, looked round, and there was a bloke with a gun like that. And he just put the hat, put his hand, got shot in the hand, and then he killed that bloke. But that was from basically looking over his shoulder. <laughs> it's, it's mad. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just so intense. But it's, it's not Chelsea. It, <laughs> it's not. And do you know what? I was, I was going to read my diary, and I just don't even think there's any point reading it because it's going to be such a juxtaposition to everything else that's going on. It is. Dude, listen, I mean, I can read. I just, I just find, I think, you know what? It's just your, you, your life is, is amazing. The fact that where, what you, you know, it is. But I, I think you, at some point, I reckon you're going to do the rock. I got told this thing the other day that someone said, um, you should do the, uh, the rocking chair technique. It's where you sit in your rocking, pretend you're 90 years old in your rocking chair on your porch and look back at your life and see whether you've done something good. And, and I was talking to this guy who told me this because he was, a, he was a trader in the city, really didn't like his job. He then went to Thailand. I got on the thing, I got on a coach in Thailand and there was a, a spare seat next to him and this American guy got on and he tried to cover his seat because he didn't want to sit next to anyone. Guy sat next to him and he, they got a chatting and he said, yeah, my life, I'm a trader. And he said, you just don't seem that happy. So, and he said, do the rocking chair technique. And he thought about it and said, no, I'm not happy. So he, next day he woke up, he quit his job and set up a, a thing now, which is called, it's a coffee company called Change Please, where he gets homeless people off the streets and, te- uh-huh. and yeah, and, and, and gets them working in the coffee shops and things like that. But I think when you're 90 and you look back at your life, you're going to suddenly go, holy shit, I've actually done a hell of a lot. I've got to get to fucking 90. <laughs> yeah, dude, you'll get to 90, 100%. If you could, if you could have one choice now of something, something to do. Someone said, right, this is because the TV world, I assume, is what you love doing, right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, you're, like you're it, great at it. it. You know, if someone said, okay, this is what, or this could be something in the pipeline, what would you love to do next? I want to do more of that narco stuff. Yeah, I think but everyone in, wants but to in see diff- that. Different, you know, maybe a bit of, I don't know, another dodgy, dodgy industry that attracts interest in people, or they just have to do that job but it does make interesting people you know the cartels are interesting otherwise you wouldn't make fucking tv shows about it so yeah something like that 
dude, come to come to the depths of Chelsea, mate. There's there's some real. I'm happy to come. I'm, the, I'm in Chelsea. Quite there, a bit, there's some deep shit going <laughs> on there, man. You there can, is. There, there will be. There As will you be. Scratch the surface. There'll be shit going down. Mate, I had my mum's house. As um, my mum has a her places near Sirencester. Turns out that Sirencester is massive on drugs and trafficking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a little country town. Yeah, um, right. Foxy man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, your book is out, Battle Scars. Go and get it. It's it's such a good read. Um, follow you on Instagram and things like that and Twitter and everything dude thank you for coming on I really honestly appreciate it no, but thanks for having me before you go you have to leave our audience or our listeners with something inspirational fucking what there you go man hang yeah, on teeing you up baby for that one go on get, get something good something inspirational live your life like an 18 month old toddler what shitting and just dribbling everywhere no not quite that more about just living the moment Love that. They don't worry about what happened five minutes ago and they're not bothered about what's happening five minutes in front. There we go. Foxy, thank you so much. Right. Appreciate <laughs> it. All right, bye. Cheers.